It's good to be back with you again. And it's a warm welcome to you, whether you're here physically um, in the building, whether you're watching it live streaming right now, um, whether you're watching it later in the week, if you're serving upstairs and you're catching up on this. Um, I just want you to know that my prayer and our prayer is that you would have that special time of encounter and refreshment with God, no matter when, no matter where you are. Um, if you were watching online last week, apologies for the streaming issues that we had. Um, hope you can, if you want to catch up um, on that, there is an audio stream as well on the website that I think sometimes um, is a little bit clearer. Uh, so, and that may be helpful as we're going to continue today um, where we left off last week and this idea of looking at a fresh perspective in this season. We're in the middle of a series around these little fires everywhere and how we can create those both for us as family, but also as family on mission, how we can light those little fires across our community. And to give you a little bit of a recap of where we're at, last week I was looking at a couple of pictures at the start and asking you to look at those with fresh eyes. What do you see in front of you? And I've chosen the title slide on this on purpose. I don't know if you noticed it last week, but this is just overlooking Korean. And this was a bit of a perspective shift for me uh, a couple of weeks back whenever I was up through the heights and spending some time with people up that direction. And when you look across, I've, I was, Lord, what do you want me to pray for? How can we see what you're up to in this season? And I see, you can see on it, there are homes, there are businesses, there are schools, there's our hospitals, there's people and things that we could be praying for. But God brought to my mind this verse whenever I was there in John 4, verse 35. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And guess what I sense God was saying in that is that like what we were saying last week, we want to look ahead. We want to keep calm and just sit, sit tight for now. And somewhere, God will bring revival. But actually, there are people out there right now. There are homes out there with people. There are businesses out there. There are people working in the hospital around the corner. There are schools. There are communities that are broken. And it's not necessarily that they need our hope and our peace and our joy. But they need the one who carries that peace, that joy, and that hope, and it's readily available for them. And so, I guess, last week, where we sort of ended up was this, that we're at a moment of opportunity for us all, for all of us, not just the experts, not just those who are the professionals, all of us, wherever we are, every day, to simply spread the joy of knowing Jesus. And boy, don't we need that in this time of confusion we need him. There are people out there who need him. People who are breaking right now. And so I wonder as you went through the questions this week, what was brewing in your heart? How do you feel about that all? Because you see, sometimes we can have a sense of when we're here together and we leave with that sense of, yes, of course, God, you're doing something here. And as the week goes on, and well, you know the, the news this week and all the, the, the negativity that we've had in the last few months where there's been guidelines around you can't do this, you must not do this, it can seep a little bit into us. And as we've gone through the, weeks, may, the week, maybe 
You've just begun to look a little bit at the negatives on it. Two things in particular that I want to try and address today for us. Is me? This is for everyone. How could, how could I do this? Do you not know who I am? There are much better people out there. There are much more talented people out there. Right now, I don't have peace to give away. Do you know my past? Do you know where I've came from? If I tried to share that, people would bring me down and try to remind me of who it was. Me? Or maybe you get it and you're like, I just don't know where to start. Where do we begin? Where do I begin in this? And so I want us to look again in the scripture. Because as we said last week in Lamentations, this, this verse around, there is nothing new under the sun. So we can learn things from this. Pick up your Bible, begin to read through it. It's as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. It's as relevant in this unprecedented season where we think it's all confusion and we don't know where to go. This has the answer. He has the answer, the one who wrote this. He has the answer for us. And so I want to look at a passage today um, in Exodus 3 and 4, chapters 3 and 4. Now we're not going to read through this for sake of time. I encourage you to go back and read it. Um, in the rest of the week. But basically to give you. You can open it up. At chapter 3 and 4. And I'll just delve in. And out of a couple of pieces. But be, what this is. is This is the story of Moses. When he gets his call at the burning bush. So a bit like us. He feels like there's a mission. That's been given to him. Now. I'm not saying we have Moses' mission. I'm not saying we are Moses. What I am saying is. As we read scripture. There are still things that we can learn from the story that are applicable to us in this situation today that we can learn about God's character and what he's still saying to us today and if you go to verse 11 what you'll see is Moses has just been given I'll give you the context of this in a moment but Moses has just been given this task this mission and I want you to see what he says in verse 12 this is where God calls Moses in verse 12 he says who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Don't you know who I am, God? And he begins to give out a few complaints. What am I going to say? I don't know what to say. People aren't going to listen to me. And if you know anything about Moses' context in this, and I know most of us here will, but I was chatting to someone during the week about this here. And so I want to give you a little bit of the context. Because if you don't know this. Particularly if you're watching online. That person I'm chatting to during the week. Didn't have a clue about this story. And yet there's such truth in it. Moses has come from this place. Where he was born in a time. Where all the Hebrew boys had to be killed. Because the Pharaoh was getting worried. That this Hebrew nation was going to rise up against him. So he puts this decree out. And there's a threat against his life. And so his mother has to give him up at this time. And she puts him into a river to hide him out of the way. In the hope that someone would find him and take care of him. East Enders, eat your heart out. And at that moment, his sister hatches a plan. So that basically, his own birth mother, whenever the Pharaoh's daughter of all people, the Pharaoh's daughter, the one who's created this rule, his daughter finds him. She hatches this plan. Unbeknown to hers. For his birthmark to look after him all his life. And so he grows up in the palace. In the Pharaoh's palace. With a sense of knowing that he's a Hebrew. Because there were distinguishing features. Of course he would have known. His birth mother was raising him. Did he really know that? 
We're not sure. There's this identity crisis that's going on here. And it gets to this moment where the Hebrews are out in the field and Moses goes out to have a walk through them. Are these my people? Are they not? He sees one of them being attacked by an Egyptian leader and he lashes out. All that frustration that's been pent up for years lashes out. And he ends up taking this Egyptian's life and he buries him thinking that no one's seen this. But of course, the Hebrews, his people of birth, they saw this. And whenever he comes to talk to them the next day, they're like, who are you to rule over us? And in fact, they go to his adopted family, to the Pharaoh, and say, do you know and do you recognize what this guy has done? And so his own people and his adopted family, he's rejected by both and he goes out into the wilderness And spends 40 years in Midian as a foreigner in a foreign land. He finds a wife. He's working for his father-in-law. He's tending sheep. And at this moment, at that moment in his life, God decides to say, you're going to be my person to lead the people out of Egypt. I'm giving you a mission for life. So any bit wonder that he's saying, who am I? Who am I? How could I do this? And I love God's response in this because there's something for this in us. God's response in verse 12. He doesn't big him up. He doesn't try to say, hey, you know, look, forget about all that. You're great. He says what? Verse 12. I will be with you. I will be with you. I love that because we live in a culture now where it's about telling you that you're more than enough. You can do this. We're going to give you courage. Just think more positively. All about self-help. You can do this. And and it's not a bad thing in itself. But you know what happens in our lives is that we take the focus off him and onto ourselves. Onto our power and not his presence. His job is not to convince us that this mission that he's calling us into, that You know, you're good enough. You can play a part in this. He's just saying, I'm with you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be with you. Even if you feel a little bit broken, you don't have to wait. Get that. Moses was still broken. He hadn't received the full restoration. And yet God says, doesn't matter. I am with you. So right now, if you feel like that, God is in the restoration business. That's what he does. He takes your past brokenness, even if it's not fully healed. He takes that brokenness and he renews that for his purposes and his glory. How do I know that? I'm a living example of that. I'm still on a journey of brokenness from my past and journeying through that. But I'm amazed at how God continues to use and work through when you just make yourself available. It's like that the Japanese art of kintsugi, where when the broken pottery, they don't try to like, they try and distinguish, or, or they don't try to hide away all the, the brokenness in that. They they put gold lines in it because it's part of the beauty and it's part of who that person is. And so, I guess what I want to say to you is, if you're feeling scared right now, if this feels a little bit unsure in a season like this, before we get to the practical stuff, if you feel a little bit scared and out of your depth and I don't know if I could do this if you feel a little bit inadequate let me tell you something that you probably won't hear out here today you and I we probably are if we're left to our own devices we'll make a mess of it but but 
He will be with us. So as we look forward, and as I wanted to get that across before we look at some practical things we can be doing, He is with us. Even if we make a mistake, even if we don't get it right, He is with us. And so Moses' complaints continue in this as it goes through the rest of the chapters. And I love it because as he gives complaint after complaint, God continually says, I'll help you, I'll teach you, I'll be with you. But then God asks him a question. He doesn't give him a statement. He asks him a question. And when God asks a question, this is in chapter 4, verse 2. He says, what is that in your hand? Now, God knew exactly what was in his hand. It's not like he didn't know, and he's looking this for knowledge. He wanted to highlight to Moses, look what's in your hand. What? A staff? A lump of wood? What good's that, God? Hey, what God is saying here is, Moses, to fulfill the task that I've given you, I can work through what I've already given you. Even the most ordinary looking things. A lump of wood that you've used for tending sheep. I can do the miraculous through that. Why? Because I am with you. I will do this. I just need you to be available. God takes what is ordinary in our lives. And he uses it to do extraordinary things. And so I ask us, you, me. What is in our hands today? What does God have in your life? What has he placed in your life already to enable you to do the task that he set before us? To partake in his mission that John Mark began this whole series on, that reconciling all things to him. He's given us it already. Where, do, where are you? Where do you live? Where has God placed you? Where do you work? Where do you shop? Where do you hang out? Who are you with? Who are your workmates? Who are the neighbours? Who are your family? Who are the doctors that you're meeting at the hospital? Who are the people that you're meeting as you go to the post office? What gifts has he given you? It's a little bit more personal again. What gifts has he given you? If you're unsure about that, try this on for size. What is the thing that you're really good at that you think is just a normal thing that everyone does? But people keep saying to you, you're brilliant at this. It's probably a gift that you have. And God's given you that. Yes, for edifying his church, for building up his church. Yes, but also for the purposes of seeing all things made new. Reconciliation of all things. The restoration of all people to him. The network course we did a few years ago. If some of you are around for that, you'll have had some of your gifts identified to them. In this season, can we begin to help shift our perspective what are the ordinary things in our lives the mundane things the things that we're overlooking that God might just want to use in this season and so I've given you if you notice when you come in this morning you had a little card on your seat if you don't have one there's some that's out in the back and I love taking the situation where we're at at the minute and just putting a little bit of a swing on it a little bit of a shift and focus. And so I was out for a prayer walk in Port Stewart a couple of weeks ago with a couple of folks from the church. And I literally saw this. Um, I, it's like as I was walking, I could see the blue screen with the three logos across 
that the government are trying to remind us what to do at the minute. Hands, face, space. Just trying to simplify things in a moment of confusion for everyone. They're trying to simplify it as best they can. And so last week, remember we said we want to try and simplify rather than overstructure. I want to highlight things that we can be doing in this season. Just like those government guidelines. Instead of hands, face, space, care, prayer and share. There's no restrictions on any of those. And we can do those simply where we are. With the people we are around. Where we live. Where we work. Where we hang out. And so I want to give us a few examples around those really quickly. Prayer I've put in the centre. I've put prayer in the centre. Why? Because we need to remember that in all things, prayer is central to us as we move forward. It must be the central point for caring and sharing to come from, for the proclamation and the demonstration, as John Mark was saying a few weeks ago. And the beautiful thing about prayer is that when Jesus died on the cross, do you remember his, the curtain torn in two in the temple? Unrestricted access into the throne room of heaven. There ain't no guidelines on this earth that can keep you from there. There ain't anything that can keep you from there. So you can pray by yourself. You can go and prayer walk. If you haven't done that before, we've got some guidelines around that. You can do that by yourself. You can do that together. The little small groups we have of threes and fours, as you're maybe connecting with one other person out of that, go spend some time out. Do what I did this week. Get yourself a pair of wet suit trousers. We're going to need them and and a warm coat. In that moment, we're praying, partnering with God, asking him what you want to see happen. You can pray by WhatsApp. You can use your prayer lists. You can pray by name. There are apps around us. There's a little one you can get for your phone called Prayer Mate that allows you every day just different people that you have in your mind to pray for. There's one of you want to pray in a little wider focus for both Northern Ireland and the Republic. It's called Prayer Ireland about this move of revival across. So we can pray. That's one thing that we can do. And if you're watching here this morning... You're watching online, you've never been to church before, you've been plugging in the last few weeks and you don't know how to pray, I'd encourage you. If you need a Bible, get, contact us, we'll get you a Bible. But everyone has, or most people have online facilities. You can see Matthew chapter 6 verses 5 to 15 tells you as much as you're going to need to know about prayer. And contact us, we'll help you with that. Everyone, wherever you are, can pray in this season. Second thing then, you can care for people comes out of that and I've put that second because we're good at this as a fellowship we're pretty good at this I think this is something we look out for each other we care for one another when people have needs there is that sense of family and togetherness and what I want to say to us in that is stop looking for the big and the exciting just the ordinary mundane how are you getting on can I help you that we've been doing here how do we begin to see that extend out to those around us how do we practice the one another's? Love one another, share with one another, forgive one another. How do we ask our neighbours, our workmates, our school friends, how are you doing? Do you need anything right now? Text a friend, see how they are, go out for a walk. Even have a socially distanced cuppa in the garden by the fire, all within the guidelines. You want to take it a little bit further. I know that some of us are... I'm finding it financially tight in this season. But how about for those who aren't? 
Or if you want to push in a little bit to sacrifice, a little generosity pot that you begin to gather together as a family or as a few friends. And when you see people in need, you don't just come back and rely on the corporate. You say, I can do something about this where I am. Bless those around you. Get a little bit of extra shopping. Give it to those who are beside you. This is simple stuff. If you're a family and you've got kids, don't let that stop you. Involve them in it. Help them to buy stuff. Help them to go forward. Go on litter picks. Community associations are still doing it. And when they say that we can't gather in big um, gatherings, you know what you do? Go as a family. These are just ways to care, okay? So care and prayer, we're good at. And then those moments, we're building relationships. We are showing the love of God to the community. But I want to focus, as we come into closing this, on the share. Because that's the thing that makes us most nervous. Yeah, that's okay. I'm praying for you. Keep a little bit of distance. Care for you. That's okay. I'll give you this and then I'll walk away. But share, sharing life and sharing Jesus and all of that. That's what we are meant to do as the church. Not just show, but share. We're meant to share. And I get that's increasingly difficult in a time where... You know, people choose to be offended really easily. Jesus is offensive to some people. His message is offensive. And I'm not saying to throw this down people's throats. Don't hear me wrong in this. I'm just saying watch for the opportunities as you build relationship through prayer and through caring. There are moments where you will get to share about Jesus. My, let me give you an example of this. And I'm only using this because this is a personal example and I'm not saying I've got it all together. <laughs> not at all. But whenever I was in England, and this has stuck with me ever since, there was a guy, the first day that I began to work in B&Q, and there's a guy, and I know he'll be watching today, so I'm not going to name him. But the first day that I began to work there, I had that moment of when he asked me, so like, what are you guys doing here? And you know what it's like? You begin to get a little bit nervous. And for me, I'm like, I'm in a new country. I'm trying to get to know people. And I don't want to throw this stuff down people's faces. But anyway, I just went for it. I was like, look, we've moved across from Northern Ireland. I'm one of those Christians that I heard you talking about. I actually love Jesus. And I'm working at B&Q, but I'm going to be working for the church as well. But I want you to know, like, I'm not going to throw that down your face. But if you ever ask me about how my weekends went, it's probably going to involve something to do with him. Being with all our Christians. So, so I'm just getting that out there. Not another word from him for six weeks. And then six weeks later, we're sitting in the tea room. All the conversations coming around about Brexit that was going on at that time. And he's like, what's your take on this? And I panic. And I'm sitting there and I was like, if I say this, he's going to be offended. If I say this, he's going to be offended. If I talk about Jesus, he's probably going to be offended. But hey, I'm going to go with that. Because that's what I know best. I was like, look, I, I don't know what way it's going to work out. Either way, I think there's going to be issues. But I know one thing, there's a better story out there, and his name's Jesus. And he begins to ask me, is this this good news that you talk about as Christians? Tell me a bit more about that. And in that moment, two minutes, we just get to talk a little bit about what Jesus who he means to me and what I believe the good news is. And you know what he said at the end of that? How come you're the first person in 52 years of my life who's ever told me that? 
52 years, someone in what's supposed to be a Christian country and they haven't heard the good news. You and I, there are people around us in our everyday who are like this guy, asking me a question. Are you ashamed of him? I thought it wasn't good news, but what you've told me, why has no one told me this before? And I'd love to tell you that right there and then he gave his life to Jesus. He didn't. He's on a journey with that. He'll be watching this this morning. My prayer is that those little seeds will begin to work in his life. I tell you that because I'm as broken as anyone. And yet God can work through us. When we just make ourselves available, not just to pray and to care, but there will be times when we get to share. And people need that right now. There are lots of organizations out there that are great at caring for our community. We get alongside and we champion them. But we are the church and we have a better story. His name's Jesus, the hope of all nations. And even in our brokenness, He can speak into people's lives. So I'm encouraging you. Think about it this week. What does Jesus mean to you? Where's the little hope that you're holding on to in this season? Even if you don't feel that totally, what are you holding on to? And begin to share that. Share your story. What's God done in your life? Invite people along to church. Invite them to listen in online. If you don't want to do the the talking, as you're reading your little devotionals every day. Is there someone that comes to mind? Just share it with them. Share a Bible verse. And hey, we're coming to Christmas time. The time where we celebrate joy coming to the world. Joy coming to the world. I'll say it again. Joy coming in to all the brokenness. And saying, here I am. Let's not hide that under a lampstand this Christmas time when people need hope more than ever. We can pray, prayer, care, but be ready to share. I want to finish with a couple of resources that I want to encourage you. If you want to investigate this a little bit more, this is a book called 42 Seconds. It's by a guy, a pastor called Karl Medeiros. He works um, with a very like Arab and Muslim communities and reaching out to them. And he's wrote this book called 42 Seconds, The Jesus Model for Everyday Interactions. I love it because it takes it back to Scripture, takes it back to Jesus, and says if we're going to learn how to interact with people, it's probably best to learn from Jesus. And his average in- interaction, 42 seconds. <laughs> we're not Jesus. I get that. just want to say that. We're not him. But we're vessels for him to work through. And this one, this is by a guy, Phil Knox, It's called Story Bear. Phil Knox is the guy who heads up mission to young adults through the Evangelical Alliance. But this book is brilliant for all ages. It's called Story Bear, How to Share Your Faith with Your Friends. I want to finish with this. Let this whet our appetites of why we have a better story. Behind the fabric of the world is a story that holds us together. It is the steel frame upon which the building blocks of life sit. It is the intricate coding behind the program you see in the screen. It is a hero. It has a thrilling narrative, a web of relationships, and the plot is still unravelling. 
It has meaning because it's told by the creator, the author of all things. It has direction because it's told by the way. It has truth because it's told by the truth. It is alive because it's told by the life. This is a story to be told. Could it be that the challenges we face in our world are a result of us having lost sight of this story? The scholar Joseph Campbell stated that all problems we are experiencing, economic, disparity, ecological meltdown, crime, alienation, atomization, war, starvation, are all the result of us having no communal myth, a story that unites us, defines us in relationship to ourselves, other people and nature. We are losing the plot, literally. And I think deep down we all feel it. That tug on your heart, you sense is there because there is a big story on the backstage of life's theatre. There's a grand soundtrack behind the playlist of existence. There is a meaning to it all because life's book has an author. Its music has a composer. The story has direction, a trajectory. It is going somewhere. The great invitation of life is to come, join in, find yourself in the plot. There is a story to be told. It is a story that changes lives. Are you going to share it? Are you going to hold it to yourself? Let's pray. So Father, we want to thank you. Thank you for that promise that still stands for us today. That you are with us. That as you call us, still into your mission, that reconciliation of all things, restoration of all things, making all things new through you, not us. We want to play our part in that. And so help us to know how to care for people. Help us to know how to use prayer faithfully. But Lord, I pray for us that we will not forget to share the good news that is Jesus. What he has done for us on the cross And the hope-filled future he has for everyone who would put their trust in him. Help us to see the ordinary mundane things as places and spaces. Our gifts as talents. To see the furtherance of your kingdom as it comes here on earth. In Korean, on the north coast, in Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland. As it is in heaven. Amen.